Hello there, Team NXT. Welcome to episode 120 of that UFP show all about the NXT show, the longest-running, independently-produced NXT podcast available, the Undisputed Future Podcast. I am your host, C.D., Danny Mack, the voice that is your choice for NXT discussion, the man with a PhD in NXT, ready for another year of Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Talk, one of my favorite NXT traditions. And this is an episode that ends in a zero or a five. I always like to try and dazzle things up, add a little bit of special something. And this special something is a little bit of a common and something special that you all should be familiar with by now. One of my favorite members of Team NXT, the Statman, bring you all the numeric values for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic in 2021, Mr. Peyton Westner. Peyton, thank you for joining me. How you doing? We were talking a little bit off air. We're psyched for this tournament and ready for another discussion here. It is a pleasure to be here. Always a privilege to be back on the show. You Don't forget, you're also an NXT OG like Tyler Breeze. Don't forget that. Add that to the superlatives. I got to work on that intro, I guess. Thank you for uh, thank you for throwing the adjectives at me, my friends. NXT OG, this podcast. Wow, it's it's kind of crazy how uh, how far back this the show goes and how many takeovers I've done. Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, though, this goes back to 2015. I remember sitting in the Barclays Center when the announcement hit. Dusty had passed. I think it it was earlier that year. It had been. I think it was springtime. I'm not going to go into too much of the downer stuff, but the way to honor the man and his brand in something that goes back to really Southern wrestling tradition, a tag team tournament. The perfect way it became one of my favorite traditions because of just the unexpected great matches we get out of it. WWE's tag team Divisions, we always know, okay, it's not getting the most amount of spotlight. But this is that time of year where if you're watching WWE programming, you know you're going to get some quality tag team matches. We could go back a ways, and we're going to dive into the past winners of the tournament, but just some moments that really stand out to me. I mean, I remember getting my favorite Baron Corbin moment out of this matchup with that end of days to Chad Gable, maybe my least favorite American Alpha moment. But still, there's there's so much so much to really dig back in the archives and uh, and think back to, as well as strange bedfellow tag teams we've had in this tournament, including the first winners of it, Peyton. We've had Finn Balor, now NXT champion and former two-time NXT champion Samoa Joe, from partners in this tournament to rivals for that title. This was really that vehicle that built this NXT championship rivalry. They defeated Baron Corbin and Rhino of all teams to to secure the crown. I thought it was a great first year. I'm sure you've got numerous numbers on me for that, but just talk to me about your general feelings. How do you feel about this tradition in NXT? It's a great tradition. I, I really missed it back in 2017 when they were moving it from the fall of the calendar year to the spring to the early winter, basically the beginning of a calendar year. You mentioned Balor and Samoa Joe and the fact that they faced Corbin and Rhino in the finals. It's really telling looking back because we see that the finals of the first ever Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic was between two makeshift tag teams. And that's been a theme throughout the years. We look most recently, 2019, Ricochet and Aleister Black win the cup. Then last year, the Broserweights, a makeshift team between Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle. It's something that I would like to see NXT kind of go away from. I like more established teams, such as when in 2016, when Authors of Pain and TM61 were in the finals. 
The match didn't necessarily deliver, even though Paul Eldering was in a shark cage over at TakeOver. I digress and say I'd like to see more of that. But when you consider the history of this tournament, I really like how there are some storylines that continue through. There are the teams that are makeshift that have success. And I don't think you see that too often in tag team tournaments. I think that's something that actually makes the Dusty Cup something for everyone. It's not just for the established teams, as I mentioned. There's definitely been some dark horses and random teams winning and going far in this tournament. There's there's no doubt about it. I'm not going to digress on that point. I'm going to segue into that point of the Authors of Pain defeating TM61 at TakeOver Toronto in that Paul Ellering suspended in a shark cage match. And just going on the topic of 2016's tournament, I like this David and David versus Goliath form of a matchup as far as teams go. I loved TM61. I think if Nick Miller didn't have, you know, personal guarantees, well, personal obligations, let's let's call, let's call them being a family man and, you know, the important stuff come before wrestling, I think that the Mighty wouldn't have kneeled and we could have found more success with these two guys, but we got slapjack out of everything. So, uh, let's let's kind of shift away before I get into crapping all over retribution again. I want to talk about Authors of Pain. I know it's weird talking about a team that's no longer employed with the company, but I want to talk about what Authors of Pain winning this tournament really represents. Something I think just looking at the fields of competitors this year, it's missing that monster presence of a team, that duo like an Akam and Razor. I thought we thought Indu Share was going somewhere. I know I've had you on the show before. We've talked about the genius of Malcolm Bivens and where Indu Share have been. I feel like if there was any like reemergence of this team, now there could be outside factors that we're unaware of. Um, this is a discussion podcast. You know this if you've listened to it before. I'm not sitting here as an expert with the backstage knowledge. I'm speculating as much as the next fan. But just looking at it on paper, Peyton, do you think this tournament requires something like an Arthur's of Pain that can be like that? How are they going to eliminate this person from the Royal Rumble? How are they going to defeat this big monster team from this tournament? Authors of Pain being the most unique of all cases, having that genius mind of Paul Ellering behind them. I feel as though the closest we're going to get to AOP in this incarnation of the tournament, 2021 edition, is going to be Grizzled Young Veterans. And it's just simply because of their demeanor and the dominance they've showed last year and the fact that they arguably could have beat the Broserweights. And then we would be having a different story as to the legacy of Matt Riddle and NXT. So... I, I do agree that there is a presence missing this imposing team. Maybe we'll get it a little on the women's side with Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. You know how big of a fan I am of Raquel Gonzalez and how big of an imposing force she puts on opponents. We saw it in, on January 6th at New Year's Evil against Rhea Ripley. Maybe that is the maybe we can get a little bit of that there, but I do agree. And speaking of authors of pain, they actually have the best overall record of teams that have appeared in two or more dusty cups they're six and one remember of course you mentioned when they won it in 2016 and then they got back to the finals in 2018 losing in the triple threat match at nxt takeover what would that have been that would have been nxt takeover new orleans correct yes takeover new orleans cole and uh cole and o'reilly would win when roderick strong would join the undisputed era and uh you're just leading me into the perfect segues my friends what a triple threat match that was. I love the way Undisputed Era and Authors of Pain work together in NXT. I think, like I mentioned, David versus, David versus Goliath, tag teams having that sort of dynamic in the tag team division, I think adds a really special element. 
you're never going to see these guys work the same way twice in this tournament. And I feel like this triple threat match was a great example of that. And of course, it led us to one of our favorite discussion points. If you've listened to the last episode we did together of the Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong rivalry. We've got a lot to say about the Undisputed Era in this tournament, but just give us a, just give us a little taste. What do we got so far? I mean, with Undisputed Era, it's they have had the most appearances in this tournament. Four. Uh, otherwise, we're looking at DIY, which was in 2015, 16, and 19 for Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, and Imperium now, who have appeared in the tournament in 2019 when it was Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. I think they weren't under the Imperium banner, if you will, but they did appear in 19. And then last year and this year. But Undisputed Era, they have appeared in the tournament the last four years. But their success in it, maybe not as much as you would think. Uh, I mean, the fact that they really were kind of just thrown in in 2018 when they did win it officially, even though they didn't really have to go through the bracketed format. They just had to. Yeah, causing that double disqualification. And we did have some controversy towards the, towards the end. And that... that <laughs> Leading up to the ending I just mentioned, that tournament was filled with controversy. Sure, sure. But with Undisputed Era, counting last night's win, or I should say on Wednesday's win, they're 3-2. and two. So not really the best record considering they've had four appearances, and you're really getting about every incarnation of Undisputed Era. This year we're getting Cole and Strong in the past. Two years we've gotten O'Reilly and Fish, and then in 2018 when Fish was hurt, we got O'Reilly and Cole. So Undisputed Era continues to come back but i think to really leave a stamp and make a legacy in this tournament specifically they're gonna have to have a long run that's just my personal opinion about it i mean i think i think this year has to be a lot about redemption for the undisputed ever just given how the way it start with kyle's unsuccessful attempts at the nxt championship vowing success in this tournament was adam cole never short of confidence is adam cole adam cole's always ready to get the boys back on track no doubt about that. Uh, Cole and Strong as a combination of a tag team. I like the uniqueness that the Undisputed Era has used their pairings in this way before. Adam Cole and Roderick Strong, not a pairing I, I really expected to see. I've seen these two guys have great singles matches in the past when I was learning about Adam Cole, actually, and uh, first getting into, to, into Roderick Strong coming over to NXT. Well, so uh, I mentioned about it during the show, not to interject. This is only the third time in televised action that Cole and Strong have teamed together in two-on-two action. Just the third time. They're two-and-one overall through the years. That doesn't say kind things when in comparison to other official tag teams in this tournament. Undisputed Era, I'm sure you had the stats to throw in my face, but Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, you have to see. The most accomplished tag team in, in the Undisputed Era's combinations. Yeah, I mean, just exactly. just going off their extensive tag team chemistry together as well. I mean, there's there's always an advantage when those two are together. Right, and that's what kind of surprised me when Cole made the announcement a couple weeks back, saying it was going to be him and Strong. I love that Cole is taking a step back. Um, yes, he denies it's it. Kyle's time, man. It really is. It's Kyle's exactly. time. He's he's putting on those those quality championship matches, and uh, but Adam Cole's eyes are never off getting that prophecy prophecy back together. Maybe we'll see Bobby Fish go after the North American Championship. Who knows what we're in for when it comes to Undisputed Era in 2021. I had mentioned I think it's going to be a year of turmoil for them, but I think we can get into that, the actual TV conversation portion of the episode. I want to shift into TakeOver New York, a match I was proud to be in attendance for. 
I could do episode on episode on episode about the numerous NXT memories I have from being in a live crowd, but Aleister Black and Ricochet teaming together and winning the Dusty Cup and taking on the Viking Raiders, although to an unsuccessful attempt at the NXT Tag Team titles, one of my favorite matches to close out the Dusty Rhodes tournament. If we're closing it out with the Tag Team title shots, if we're talking about outside the brackets, the official, that final end matchup, when all is said and done and we're waiting for next year, Ricochet and Aleister Black versus the Viking Raiders. I watched it again earlier this week, just getting prepared for this discussion. What a match. High adrenaline rush. I felt like I was sitting out there in the Barclays Center again. I love this matchup. As you, as we talked about before, the strange pairing of single stars winning the tournament again. Well, we're going to have back-to-back conversations here because the Brozerweights are next. But Peyton, I really like Aleister Black and Ricochet together. I saw them compete at WrestleMania together. Just kind of those strange personalities, but you love both in-ring styles. I really enjoyed that tournament in general. When you look back, you had Undisputed Era versus DIY in the first round. And then DIY gets beat by Black and Ricochet. I think, honestly, maybe 2019 is my favorite Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic when you look at the entire body of work, when you look at the quarterfinals through the championship and even the impending title defense for the Viking Raiders when they had to beat the champions of the cup. Uh, so, yeah, I really, I really like that pairing of Ricochet and Black. I wish it would have had a little more success because if you remember, and I, of course you already know, but for the audience, if you remember that weekend, they also challenged for a main roster tag team championship at WrestleMania and also came up empty. So I would have liked to seen in retrospect, Ricochet and Black have some tag team hardware to show, but hey, I, I guess it's just another instance of something I would have booked differently than NXT or WWE creative. I would have wanted to see Aleister Black and Ricochet walk into WrestleMania as the NXT Tag Team Champions and represent in that uh, in that fatal four-way as the NXT Ch- Tag Team Champions. Of course, eliminating the possibility that they would win the Tag Team Gold, which nobody would expect anyway. But it would have been nice to see NXT Tag Team Championships on the WrestleMania stage. I think that would have been fantastic. Uh, we could talk about personality classes all day with this team. The Broserweights would win last year, defeating Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT Tag Team titles as well. Consequently, at TakeOver Portland. TakeOver Portland, a fantastic event. Uh, top to bottom, I thought this match stood out. Like I mentioned before, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, success as their tag team. You're always going to get a good match out of these two. The most chemistry out of the combinations of the Undisputed Era. But other than the tag teams of Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne, I don't remember much from last year's tournament. I feel like there were a lot more standout moments. Oh, I mean, many of the standout moments that I come to mind for me are the vignettes where Pete Dunne and Riddle are trying to it's, stow it's away. It them, yeah. Right, right. And hey, let me say, how much fish could Bobby Fish fry if Bobby Fish Bobby could fish fry could fish? Fry fish. Yeah, it's um, exactly. I think that's something they really dominated the tournament because of their personalities clash and how they were able to get together. And honestly, Matt Riddle made me love Pete Dunne. And I always respected Pete Dunne. I always liked his character. But being able to take someone who is very stoic, very serious, and put them in this goofy light, if you will, that Riddle just kind of has about him in every single scene vignette, promo, whatever it may be, I think it was a great a great trial, if you will, a great test 
to see how they would get together. And obviously they had success eventually winning the NXT Tag Team Championship um, and beating Undisputed Era. I mean, to beat Undisputed Era in a title bout, especially the tag team, I mean, really, that's almost an accomplishment as good as the gold around your waist. It's, it's a rare feat. It's a rare feat, especially for two guys who are known as singles competitors. But where that personality outside of the ring might be goofy, there's nobody nobody more capable in between the ropes than Matt Riddle. And you take that combination of Pete Dunne's in-ring acumen and the breakdown and the joint manipulation and all that fun stuff, you're going to get Matt Riddle's submission game and Pete Dunne's overall offense. Great match. Great match in Portland for those two. Now it's 2021, Peyton. We've gone through those past those past winners before we deep dive into NXT TV this week. What numbers do you got for me in this tournament? I know this year is going to be important for the numbers. I have my sights set on some teams and I know of some of the past successes and failures of some one immediately standing out to me is probably my favorite for the whole damn thing this year in the grizzled young veterans. If you don't mind starting with them and just give us a general breakdown of these brackets. Oh, absolutely. Grizzly Young Veterans, I mean, they enter with a 3-1. and one. I should say they entered with a 2-1 and one overall record in the Dusty Cup, and then they won uh, on Wednesday, which makes we can do. Three. We can do it as it stands of this recording. If you want gotcha. to do, up, update it with this week's wins and losses, if you could. We'll do. They're 3-1, and one, so they have the best overall record of any team in this tournament in terms of the tournament history. I just mentioned Undisputed Eris 3-2 and two with their win against Breezango. Grizzly Young Veterans, they really have to be one of the biggest favorites. And when I look at the bracket, I see a potential matchup between UE and G. Uh, I'll just say Grizzly Young Veterans. I don't want to get the acronym wrong. GYV, I guess. Uh, and I'm really excited. I am really excited. And I see that as a 50 50 match that really could produce this year's Dusty Cup champions. It's as simple as that. And really, anyone else on that side of the bracket really shouldn't play a factor in my mind. Maybe I'm trying, maybe I'm putting the cart before the horse, but I really see it coming down, especially on that left side of the bracket. When I look at the semifinals, it's going to be undisputed era and veterans. You can't convince me otherwise. I like that semifinals matchup without a doubt. Two of the more accomplished teams, especially looking at the records for this, for this whole tournament, we're going to get some impressive debuts as well in this, well, this past week on TV, a fantastic debut by MSK. What do we got on teams making their debut in the Dusty Cup? Peyton, you got anything that can shine a light on some debuting teams for this tournament? Well, I mean, you can look no further than DIY in 2015. Gargano and Champa they debuted in the tournament in terms of their tag team being together and Obviously, they had great success as a unit, eventually winning the NXT Tag Team Championships and actually defending it three times in a span, I think, 69 days, if my memory serves. We also look at Heavy Machinery. Heavy Machinery actually debuted in the tournament. Otis and Tucker, they were together and debuted in 2016. The funny thing about Heavy Machinery is they never won a Dusty Cup match. Never. 0-2 overall record. Uh, And then Sanity back when it was Alexander Wolf and Sawyer Fulton. Um, they did Friend of the show, uh, Sawyer Fulton, by the way. Check yeah. out that interview. Absolutely. Uh, uh, one of my favorites, though, and we, you mentioned it earlier as a little bit of an Easter egg based on our past conversations. I think it's very important to consider 
that Pete Dunn and Roderick Strong debuted as a team in 2018 in this tournament. Sure, it didn't last long, but it has a huge payoff. And then you have to consider in 2020, Dunn actually has success with another partner. So Pete Dunn, I mean, not that he's in the tournament this year because no one in the the Lorcan, Birch, Dunn faction are taking part. Uh, I really hate that champions aren't in this tournament. I, I really do. I know that's something. Oh, that's... Champion, champions are the champions of the end result. Champions yeah. are the grand prize outside of the cup, my dude. Yeah, well, not to throw some shade at Lorcan and Birch, but there's probably a reason why they didn't want to be in the tournament. It's because they never won. They're 0-2 overall uh, through the years in the Dusty Cup. I, Hey, where, where's Pat McAfee at? Not to go on a tangent, but I wish they would really explain that in storyline. But getting back to the point, MSK has the potential. They kind of remind me of DIY in terms of when we look back at this tournament, 2020, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, 2021, maybe the years 2024, maybe it's 2023, two, three years from now. When we look back, I think we'll be talking about MSK the same as DIY in terms of the impact they've had on the brand moving forward from this moment. I hope MSK doesn't go off on that same single split that we know the Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano saga to be, but man, just just mentioning that DIY debut takes me back. I was sitting, I was sitting at a Nikki Nikki Six's basement when we were first uh, we were first even like watching NXT together. These two Ring of Honor looking, who are these people? And then years later, they end up being two of the most important figures in the entire brand's history. So you really never know what's going to break out in this Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. MSK breaking out in this first round, as far as I'm concerned. We're going to get to that conversation. Let's start that deep dive into NXT TV for January 13th. Peyton, thank you so much for the numbers and the records. I would never have thought a team as literally massive as Heavy Machinery not winning a matchup in this entire tournament, especially with uh, with each man's wrestling experience in, uh, in amongst themselves. Starting things off, we had the greatest division in pro wrestling, the NXT Women's Division, kicking things off. Shotzi Blackheart versus Candice LeRae. Every division should have as great of a rivalry outside of the championship scene as these two have been having lately. Great matches. Shotzi Blackheart literally putting her body on the line. It feels like each and every single move. Shotzi looking to tank care of business and clear the way against Candice and Indy Hartwell. Um, the destruction of the tank, I'm guessing, is still fresh on Shotzi Blackheart's mind. You thought that war games might have softened that blow, but something as sentimental value, you can always you can always buy that next upgrade, Peyton, right? You can always get that next shiny new toy, but that first version of it that you own, that's what's going to have that special sentimental value. That's what you're going to have that connection with. Driving force of the rivalry between Shotzi Blackheart and Candice LeRae right now, in my opinion. Oh, without question. And you said it in a past show. And I think it's very important when you look at Candice LeRae and the Shotzi Blackheart rivalry. Shotzi Blackheart is such, I mean, she's such a strong, independent woman as a character, as a person. I really think she could be a role model for so many watching the brand. She really inspires me personally. And then you look at Candice LeRae. And even though LeRae is playing the heel, just as strong considering what she's done for the brand and even what she did on the independent scenes. So maybe I'm rambling a little bit, but I want to go back to a point that you said previously. You said for the way to really turn into this faction where they're they're gold hunting, they're hunting for championships, Lorraine needs to be the driving force. She is really the most talented, greatest superstar 
in this faction in terms of complete body of work, and especially in this heel incarnation. And I'd like to see that moving forward because, yeah, Gargano's playing the goofy guy. I, okay, I, I get it. He, he gets me to laugh about once once a week. But I really want to see the shift, the focus shift to winning championships, especially considering that Gargano's title reigns normally are never that long. Well. So, so something needs to happen, especially on in the women's division. Maybe it won't happen. I don't know if I answered your question, but I did want to go back to that point that you made in the past episode. I think uh, I think you nailed it. I think that some some power shift does need to happen. Candace needs to get fed up with Johnny Gargano's silly ways and just like snatch the reins from be like, this is my faction now. Maybe Johnny needs to lose the North American Championship and Candace needs to win the women's championship. And be like, I own the golds, I'm holding these things down. And then Austin Theory and Indy Hartwell even find more success when Candice is at the top than they found when Johnny was in control. I think that the way is a really good time to establish a woman leader of the faction. I think that Candice is a stronger heel. I think that Johnny can play that secondary fiddle. But when the seriousness and things need to be looked at in the competitive lens, I think Candice is going to give that best perspective. I want to talk about what you mentioned about Shotzi Blackheart and Candice LeRae being that cool representation. Shotzi has that sort of it's okay to be different thing about her. And that's what I love. That's something that if I'm a little kid, gender's not going to matter in this. Somebody's got green hair driving out on a tank, shooting somebody who they don't agree with right in the nutsack with a, I'm guessing it was a t-shirt or a beanbag or something. I don't know. Austin Theory got shot in his beanbags. That's all I know. Um, (laughs) But Shotzi, Shotzi, Shotzi has that sort of appeal. We know what she can do as a standout personality. She hosted Halloween Havoc. She's getting this clear, consistent in-ring action on TV. I think it's a matter of time before she is an NXT champion. But she's fine outside of the title scene. She's still a standout character. I think it's a little bit different just in the formation of the stable. I think Candice's championship aspirations do need to be made a little bit more clear. Yes, Dan, how many more matches with Io Shirai can we take? I can already, I, I, I get it. I get it. I'm with you. Peyton, I know you're about to ask me that. How many more Io Shirai matches do we need to see? We can watch a lot of them, but the outcome could be different just once. Um, let's talk about the actual match between Shotzi and Candice LeRae, though. Another week, another suicide dive. I'm worried about Shotzi Blackheart getting CTE. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right into the barricade, man. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I think that's something that I mean. Even when she's doing her ring entrance, she she basically it looks like in her ring entrance. This is my personal opinion. When she's standing up there on the top turnbuckle, it looks like she's actually miming that she's gonna gig herself across her her forehead. Have you ever recognized that? It's it's possible. She does kind of like the the J the J White switchblade, but she targets yeah, up a yeah. little higher. Yeah, yeah. I, I, to, to, I mean. She means business, and we've seen that in her, her – I think she posted a Twitter video where she actually stapled something to her chest. I mean, Shotzi does not care. She's willing to put her body and even, I guess I could say, life on the line for this business for her performance, and she's a great, great superstar. I'd, I'd like to see a little – I understand maybe NXT under the WWE banner, just the PG era, maybe not necessarily going to get hardcore matches, but – I think if Shotzi ever does get the women's championship and they build up a challenger that almost comes from the same, uh, as, as Finn Balor said later in the show, maybe cut from the same cloth, maybe we could get some really exciting TLC 
or some very brutal hardcore matches. Uh, maybe minus the gigging, though. <laughs> I'd uh, I'd like to see Shotzi stay safe if such a thing were to happen. We need a little bit of space. We did just have that monumental Last Woman Standing match between Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley. But I'm all in favor for seeing a Shotzi street fight or something later down the road. Especially knowing the factor that weapons play in such a regular basis of Candice LeRae rivalries. You notice this pattern, my dude? We have Candice LeRae with the kendo stick and the steel chair versus Io Shirai. Now the steel steps are a key tool in this rivalry between Shotzi Blackheart and Candice LeRae. We know of her independent success when it comes to weapons. Candice LeRae is a hardcore machine winning those tag team titles by herself. Um... No comments. Don't think I can make that joke too many more times. Um, another X factor, besides the steel steps, Indy Hartwell. Indy Hartwell, ever since buying that TV for the Garganos, has been an X factor for this family. Shotzi would get distracted and go on Miss Gray's wild ride, the neckbreaker from the top. It would start at the top and end with a victory for Candice Gray. Candace finding success, very important to kind of back up the previous points about her being a strong leader. But another great match for Shotzi Blackheart. I don't think a loss really hurts Shotzi Blackheart in a way. I want to focus on the storytelling tools we're seeing here, Peyton. Not just by the win and loss record, but the previously mentioned tools. The steel steps. This goes back to the battle royal that they competed in for that number one contendership. That's right. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I think really what makes... Shotzi, and you could even say Candice, obviously Shotzi is such a fan favorite, right? And people want to see her win the championship. We saw that in the non-title bout with Io Shirai and how it almost forecasted that we're eventually going to go down that line. But it's really important to focus on the storytelling aspects, especially when maybe Blackheart isn't necessarily going over during these times, because it's the long-term storytelling that's going to pay off when Shotzi eventually hoists the gold. That's just my two cents. We, we see those callbacks come into play over and over, especially in those monumental moments. I think some of these storytelling aspects that you're mentioning are really going to come back and resonate with us when Shotzi ends up being NXT Women's Champion. So if, Sh if Shotzi does become champion, her taking it from Candice LeRae would do, do a lot for, uh, for what we're discussing right here. That's exactly what I'm thinking, my friend. My man. Uh... Let's move. For, oh, I do want to mention the rolling armbar that Shotzi pulled off in this matchup. I really, really enjoyed that. You don't see much of uh, you see a lot of reckless abandon like we were talking about with Shotzi Blackheart matches with like strike heavy. But you never see that much of a ground game. So I love that rolling armbar. Not something that we're familiar with in her NXT arsenal. That's a uh, that's for sure. We're going to keep on rolling, though. We're going to keep on rolling up with the. Um, they really couldn't mute the Slipknot for 30 seconds to give boy Danny Birch just a, just a couple time, just a little bit of time to speak. Nobody from that nobody from that faction is cutting promo. Let the guy let the guy who's not the silent who's not the as brooding assassin in Pete Dunne let Danny Birch be that little bit of Mike piece if if Pat McAfee's not going to show up. But don't make them do it over Slipknot music. They show up in a Land Rover. They're looking badass. They're ready to go. Danny Burch is shooting his mouth off. It looks great, but I didn't catch a dang word that he said. I didn't watch the. I didn't watch TV with headphones on. Peyton, did you get anything from this segment? No. Uh, okay. Uh, maybe when Moving a dusty, on. maybe, maybe right. when a Dusty Classic match, and then we'll let you get your uh, your nap pops, get your get your promo in over the Slipknot. Yeah, win, win a Dusty Cup matchup, uh, Lorcan and Burch, and we'll let you. Uh, we'll 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 tone down. We'll uh, track down uh, Slipknot and let you uh, 
get something in over the airway. So you're saying they can't even get a win when they're outside the ring and the tournament is going on? Pretty much. Okay, that's that's a tough pill to swallow. Well, go, going back to that, I really, I really want. I'm, I'm serious. I know I've already said it. I really want them to address why where McAfee is. If you cut ties with McAfee, we've seen that's it. Fine. We've seen the. We've seen it happen everywhere but television. Yeah. Pat McAfee's shooting his mouth off about. Oh, I guess NXT decided I'm gone. Well, if you're not really gone, let us know that you're not really gone. I don't know. I think it, it could be a matter of timing. I think it, it really could be. I think it could be a matter of timing. I think that Pat McAfee showing up when Ridge Holland shows up again. I think that somebody who looks like that and is as inexperienced as Ridge Holland is going to need somebody very good at speaking, which Pat McAfee is. We don't need to see Pat McAfee in an NXT ring in between the ropes ever again, in my humble opinion. One impressive singles match and a War Games matchup, I think that's a pretty damn good resume. But if he wants to come back as a manager for somebody who looks like Ridge Holland, I think that could be a plus for him. I think if we're delaying that, like, oh, you forgot about me, don't forget about the guy I bought a Mercedes for, I think there could be something there. It could just be a matter of timing, but I'm 100% with you. Where is McAfee? Well, I think not to get too far too much into the head of Pat McAfee, get into his psyche. He takes me as the person, and I, not to speak too much of his character, I don't think he's going to go for just being a manager. I think he likes a little bit of a spotlight. I, I think maybe well so. And honestly, honestly, what has come across my mind is maybe WWE is putting him on ice right now, right? Maybe his contract... Whatever it may be, may, I don't know how long it was. Maybe it was only for a couple matches. Maybe it's the Goldberg contract where you only have to do two or three matches and then the contract's expired. I wouldn't be surprised, and I'm not trying to get uh, create a rumor mill because I have no inside information. No inside information from Peyton Westner here. It we, are a discussion pod, we are a discussion podcast, folks. You want that backstage crap, go somewhere else. Thank you, my friend. It wouldn't surprise me if Pat McAfee shows up in AEW, just based on the football connection with Tony Khan. Um, obviously, Jacksonville and Indianapolis are rivals in the AFC South. Just about to ask about the AFC South rivalry. I thought I was going to be confident in saying such a thing, but I'm glad to get your reinforcement on it. I don't know. That's just something that has really gone through my mind. And it all comes down to what Pat McAfee wants to do in his career because he's so very talented in media. He does a great job with the Pat McAfee show. He's a budding media personality. You see him on College Game Day. You see him everywhere. And he has a great agent behind him that gets these appearances and creates these partnerships and creates these contracts with businesses. I, Pat McAfee can do whatever he wants. But if he wants to do wrestling and WWE is not going to pull the trigger on him. I, I I don't see any reason why we wouldn't see him in AEW. And again, I know a lot of hypotheticals here. Peyton's kind of talking out, uh, talking out his, mm, and I, I get it. I, I do that sometimes. <laughs> you're allowed. You're allowed to fantasy book some uh, some dynamite stuff here, man. Watching everything, watching everything is is very very important. Um, I think that McAfee is an NXT staple at this point. I don't think they're going to let that fish get away as somebody who. Uh, who they brought into to kind of like boost those uh, those competitive numbers against the uh, the TNT network at Wednesday's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I don't think they'll let that sort of uh, that sort of catch get away. But McAfee wanting more of a spotlight other than being a manager, I can I can see that point, especially since we have seen him put on some uh, some great matches in well, his time in NXT. Unex unexpectedly good, if I could be so 
crass, I guess, or bold. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I think it goes back to goes back to our point. As a viewer, don't act like we're ignorant here. I just I, trust. I, yeah, with, with Mackenzie Mitchell last night when they were in the hallway and talking to Lorcan Birch and Dunn, I would like to at least have her mention McAfee. And maybe they say, ah, you know, Pat, he's going and doing this. You know, j- just make up a story. I mean, this is what it is. Storytelling. Give me a reason why we're not seeing Pat McAfee if he's still in the company. Don't don't just put him on ice and not give us a rationale because we're seeing Lorcan, Birch, and Dunn out there. And you're mentioning how Birch can't even get the respect to actually put piece together some promo as they're walking into full, um, you know, the CWC. That That's where you need McAfee. You need McAfee as the mouthpiece. And if you're struggling to have a mouthpiece... That's where you're going to have to do some wrestling journalism if you're an on-air correspondent on NXT and at least explain to me why we're not seeing Pat McAfee. Where, what is holding Lorcan, Birch, besides the tag team championships, and done together, if not McAfee money? Exactly. Yep. That's, that, that's a point worth addressing. And mentioning even just offhand, like, you know, Pat, he's wheeling and dealing. He's got a thousand other things going on. He's made millions of dollars in this, that, and the other thing industry. You can keep hammering those points home. Just keep them fresh on our minds. Very well said. Just a throwaway line. Like you said, just a throwaway line to at least give the viewer some rationale why he's not showing up. You know, it was not a throwaway line though, my friend. Mm. They stopped manufacturing the cloth that I'm cut from. That was courtesy of our NXT champion, Finn Balor, while calling out Kyle O'Reilly and questioning what is next. He's the target. You shoot at the prince. You better not miss, but you better bring a damn strong, sturdy pair of scissors to cut through his cloth. I'm I'm running out of analogies here. (laughs) I was blown away by that line. It sounds like something that you could hear in a Triple H promo. Is it just me? It sounds like something. I really hear Triple H when I hear they stop manufacturing the cloth that I'm cut from. I just imagine like maybe it's like something. I'm I am the game sort of parallel, you know, <laughs> exactly. And even or I am that wanna, damn good. Even if we want to go to modern day cinema. I mean, I consider Die Hard a Christmas movie. I could just imagine Finn Balor maybe in an air vent. I've recently had a change on heart on that topic. That's a whole nother podcast is Die Hard. A Christmas movie. <laughs> anyway, Sorry. yeah, Balor looks like such I, I've said this since he's come back to NXT, he's such a renegade and I love it so much. And depending on how you view the end of the show, maybe he's not necessarily going to put everything on his back and be that renegade that's willing to go up against three to four men. I don't know. We'll have to talk about that, and you'll hear about that later in the show. But Finn Balor, one of the best in NXT history, one of the best in WWE and professional wrestling, and his promo skills are on display once more. I love this run that Finn Balor is getting with the mic because if you look at maybe Balor Club and some of his past character incarnations, you may not have necessarily known how talented he is when he has that mic in his hand. No, definitely definitely not. I never want to see Finn Bauer smile during a promo ever again, if I'm being honest with you. I, I just can't. I need him to be serious all the time and then crank it up to 12 when he becomes the demon, should that day ever come again. I don't want to see any lackadaisical smiley Finn Bauer ever again. This is his stride. And you can't go against a better opponent if you're never going to smile again than Pete Dunne. The Bruiserweight, whose uh, anniversary from that United Kingdom tournament passed by recently. I remember exactly where I was and watching that dude for the first time. And 
I was hate. I was sitting there hating them and getting worked as I possibly could be. And uh, my friends Dave and Nick are like, "Yo, this is one of the best freaking heels I've ever seen. I'm rooting for this guy to win the whole damn thing." So I played it by the book. My friends did not, but that was a fun watch. I've been a fan of Pete Dunne's matches for quite some time. One thing I'm, I'm we, we don't have to get too much into the verbiage of the promos. I kind of want to move the show along here, but just this interesting point that has to be broken up. The poster boy for European wrestling being the driving force for this promo is excellent and for this rivalry. Also, if not, I don't want to call it a secondary point. Maybe it's 1A and 1B. But one of the longest reigning NXT United Kingdom champions of all time taking on one of the longest reigning NXT US champions of all time. That's a story in and of itself. Two accomplished champions, two guys great in the ring, two of the European styles, but branching out in a different way. Peyton, I think we're in for one hell of a matchup at uh, TakeOver Valentine's Day Massacre, which I'm calling it prematurely. Oh, without question. And just hot take hot take coming here. Uh, put an asterisk next to Walter and Kaylee Ray's title reigns because, to me, Pete Dunne will forever have the longest reigning WWE UK, I guess now NXT UK, championship reign of all time and i really hate how the pandemic as a numbers guy as no, the pandemic friend, affecting walter absolutely i couldn't agree with you more especially somebody who cares about the numbers as much as you do hey man i'm your friendly neighborhood nxt stat guy and that that will forever forever bug me but like you said i love how we're getting this basically european uh, blockbuster match on u.s soil between Balor and Dunn, two of the most decorated European champions of, I guess, this modern era. Uh, it's just, I really love it. And I hope they play and lean more into that element as we get closer to the title match itself. We would see, of course, the post, uh, post beatdown, not without a collision, but the unexpected help from the Undisputed Era towards Finn Balor. That loose association between Adam Cole and Finn Balor coming into play is is something I like to see, especially when uh, we know what might have happened on the other channel just a uh, just a week back. I have not watched Dynamite as of the recording of this podcast, but I'm a big Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson fan myself. So it's nice to see that the club is interacting on both nights of Wednesday wrestling. You'll love to see it. Too um, sweet. I'm going to keep this next parts just a little bit kind of short and i want to get it out of the way i want to cover both dusty Rhodes classic matches back to back uh dexter loomis versus johnny gargano it would be agitated by johnny gargano receiving let's call it an unflattering picture of himself designed and drawn by the very talented twisted artist of dexter loomis i don't know when austin theory became went from young brash and confident to muscle-headed moron maybe some uh some I I don't know when when or what that happens or what that's doing for his character development. I know he's not one of the more popular figures on the internet right now, so I'm going to drift past the Austin Theory conversation. Dexter Loomis versus Johnny Gargano. I liked this match as much as I didn't like this match, if that makes at all sense. I like Dexter Loomis's unique offense. I love the spine buster. It's great when he's able to land it. The David versus Goliath, and you've heard me rant on this before. It's one of my favorite themes in pro wrestling. But when it's heel, David versus babyface Goliath, I'm supposed to root for the serial killer monster as opposed to the guy who's rooting for the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs for the first time since 2002. Like Peyton, heel Johnny Gargano has confused me for a number of weeks. 
and weeks and weeks. What do you think about this interaction? I think I know where it's going to end up, but I'll let you speak your piece on this matchup as uh, as it sets. I'm kind of going to go a little off kilt with your question. I hated this booking for Dexter Loomis. Okay, I absolutely good. hated it. When Loomis reemerged on April 1st, 2020, obviously this was post the breakout tournament and everything. I loved the way NXT creative portrayed him. He's mysterious. He's emotionless. He's nearly unstoppable in ring. And from April 1st through October 7th of 2020, Loomis was 9-2. His only losses came to Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. An undisputed era had their fingerprint on the outside through interference. So it didn't hurt his booking. It didn't hurt his portrayal. After Halloween Havoc and the match with Cameron Grimes, the cinematic match, Loomis is now one and two. Now, that's only three matches. I get it. But come on, man. He should not have lost to Johnny Gargano. If he was going to lose to Gargano, that, that was a, that was weak. I, I really hated the finish to this match. I hated the booking for Loomis. And, and maybe that's me becoming a Dexter Loomis fan because I was a Sam Shaw fan. I, I, I see him as ready for the NXT North American Championship. I see him as ready. And I understand Kushida's going to get the next shot at Gargano. And Kushida will probably beat Gargano. Spoiler alert. Uh, prediction coming. Peyton's prediction coming uh, uh, from my Acceptable. Holster. Acceptable prediction. I I just, I, I don't really like what they're doing with Loomis as of late. It doesn't really, it probably doesn't hurt his portrayal to too many listeners. But I take a lot of pride in what they did building him up. Uh, from that, you know, April to October time frame. And now I feel like they just lit a match like Randy Orton and threw it. I think that I, I absolutely think this match could have gone a different way. I think that Johnny Gargano didn't need to win by roll up. I think he could have lost by disqualification because what happens post match could have happened during the match. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't Austin Theory do something stupid to get himself choked and uh, get Johnny disqualified? Loomis ends up with the win, but still the consequences for Gargano and Theory come, so just keep on piling it on the way. Now, does that hurt the way a little bit? Yeah, but I'd rather the way kind of get thrown under that bus as a heel faction, and these two guys kind of look like snakes in the grass, as opposed to we got away with one sort of style in the snake Family, analogy, whatever I'm trying to uh, to portray there. The deep roll-up by Johnny Gargano to win this matchup is what I did not like. Just bottom line, I think that Theory could have gotten himself choked during the matchup and ring the bell, another shot, uh, yeah, another shots finish in WWE, what have you. Move the storyline along. It moves Dexter Loomis's character along as well. And also, you should not... Mess with Dexter Loomis the week before you're in a Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament Cup match because that guy's going to have presence everywhere. Now, isn't he? I feel like the psychological mind games that Dexter Loomis is very good at and that you need to talk to nobody further than Cameron Grimes to get the experience of what he can do to other NXT competitors. But I think that Loomis's presence is going to cost Gargano and Theory a shot in this tournament. I think that's when it's going to bite the way in the ass as, as the storyline sits. I think both you and I made good points about how this could have gone another way, but as well, puns completely intended here when I'm saying the way, why the hell not puns completely intended. 
I think this could have gone a different way for Gargano and Austin Theory, and I think next week is not going to go their way, and I think the next North American Championship match is not going to go Johnny Gargano's way either, especially with the hot streak that Kushida has been on. One hell of a matchup I'm looking forward to, though. Kushida versus Johnny Gargano, inject that in my veins. Mm-hmm. Oh, without question. I do love, despite my... Despite me being so adamant that Dexter Loomis needs gold around his waist, I'm really happy that Kushida is moving closer and closer towards being a top contender in one of these men's divisions. And having that chance at a championship, I think it's well overdue and very well deserved. I think Kushida's proven himself as a, as a competitor. That that match with Walter, I think, is the one that mm-hmm. really uh, that really put Kushida on the map for me. Uh, watching him live at 205 Live was uh, was an incredible experience as well. His entrance his entrance really hits when you're sitting in a live crowd and just look at me sitting here nostalgic about a uh, remember live crowds, Peyton. That was that was a good time. Uh, oh man, do I ever? I mean, just uh, a couple days ago, I guess. Last year around this time, I went to a uh, SmackDown so oh, um, on a Friday night. So yeah, I can I can remember those days, and man, do they seem like uh, not just a year ago, but maybe a decade. Maybe we need to get a DeLorean, uh, maybe steal uh, Kushida's uh, time travel devices, and uh, go back in time. Uh, cue some Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> Come on, man! I love Back to the Future. I could talk back about it all future. day. But great, we're great talking movie. about NXT. Actually, uh, not to. Uh... Watch that pretty recently. I got to go through the trilogy, but the original is a the original is a great movie. Uh, Time Splitter Kushida next in line. I think actually this uh this whole conversation is going to bring up a spontaneous point, but I think Kushida's booking in NXT could be a time to right some wrongs for some other Japanese signings they've had. The immediate one that comes to mind is Kenta Hideo Itami. I think they can make Kushida the star that he wasn't. Uh, do you want to touch on that real quick? Uh, yeah, I, I, I really considering that Atami never held gold, uh, even in the cruiserweight division, right? That that's just, that's just egregious. I think that's, that's so wrong for a man of his talents. I really hope that, uh, that Kushida's does not get wasted on that same level. Uh, before we cover the Dusty Rhodes classic matches back to back to back, I, I guess we did get three this week. Um, Let's dip into let's dip into the fight pit contract signing and then let's go a little bit into the women's announcements for this tournament. Then we'll go into the tag team action itself. Fight pit contracts. Was it a contract signing? Did you see a pen and paper there? I think it was just a face to face. I think it was just a face to face, right? Um I think it was just Wade Barrett um banging the gavel and sort of uh bringing <laughs> bringing things to order and giving these two guys some uh, some decorum please. Mm-hmm. Um Tommaso Ciampa welcoming himself into enemy territory, I think would be the best analogy I got for this matchup. Timothy Thatcher thriving in the fight pit through bloody mouths and egregious, devastating looking injuries, kayfabe or not. That match with Matt Riddle was a fight. This is where we're seeing the worlds of MMA and pro wrestling cross. Does it work? I think the fight pit match works. I think something that we can look in the perspective of being that suspend your disbelief, it's pro wrestling, but has that presentation of UFC 
is a lot better to do than I just watched Dark Side of the Ring, so maybe that's why this analogy is fresh, but a boxing or brawl for all or a raw underground sort of scenario where there's no ropes and no str- and or too much structure. I think the fight pit draws that line perfectly down the middle between there's judgment there, but also these guys are going to win by submission or knocking each other the hell out. And I cannot think of two more vicious people in that NXT locker room right now fit for this environment than Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. It's a great great analogy that he made, that this was Ciampa basically saying, okay, here I am. I'm walking into the lion's den. I am here in enemy territory. I'm going to come at you and try to beat you in your match, it I now maybe this is the statistician in me. I understand that from a storytelling aspect, Thatcher is one and zero in the fight pit. That that's probably enough, really. I would like to see the fight pit be used a little more because consider this: Loomis has had a couple strap matches. I, we talked previously that Io Shirai is basically a genius of the sky when it comes to ladder matches. Uh, maybe just push that forward a little more. But then again, I'm playing devil's advocate here because the fact that Thatcher beat a mixed martial artist, a past ultimate fighting championship UFC fighter and Matt Riddle in the first ever NXT fight record, record of te- record of 10 and three, Matt Riddle, if I could throw mm-hmm. some numbers of my own. Oh, absolutely. I, I know very well about Matt Riddle's uh, UFC tenure and 10 and three overall record in MMA. And this, this match is so exciting and although it fell out of new year's evil i'm really happy that it's going to get a spotlight and likely the main event spot uh coming very soon i think this this does need that main event it needs that main event spotlight at like 9 15 start give these guys 45 minutes to just pound the crap out of each other um i think thatcher has the environmental advantage here not just because of his past success but i think I think there's something about Thatcher's style that just lends himself to this match a little bit more. I think that that confines of in the ring. I think Tommaso Ciampa, especially in the matches we've seen him have in the past, the last man standing, the street fights, Ciampa can thrive outside of the ring with those unique sort of environmental builds. All he's going to have to his disposal is a cage and what he can think of. I think Thatcher's submission-based style could paint more of a friendly picture for him, but... Tommaso Ciampa's Tommaso Ciampa. You never doubt the black heart. The man came back from life, well, career-threatening injuries to uh, to find his to find his success continuing. I'm excited for this rivalry. I think that the fight pit can be used on a regular basis for Timothy Thatcher's climax of a rivalry. I think that you're right. We've seen Loomis with the strap match, Shirai with the ladder match have their success. Somebody having a signature match is missed in pro wrestling, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Thatcher's match being the fight pit, 2-0 and record. Let's start that build. I, exactly. It, he has to beat Champa in the fight pitch for this to continue to build and for him to really garner and acquire that signature match. And me being as big of a Tommaso Champa fan as there is on God's green... I really hope he doesn't move to 2-0. <laughs> uh, who you want and who you think can be two completely different things here, here, Peyton. That's that's completely that's completely fine. I see I see I see success in Timothy Thatcher's future because if not, then what? Then what? He's unsuccessful at takeover. 
these big spotlight weekly matches are all Timothy Thatcher has for the casual, if there is such a thing as a casual NXT viewer, to look at this guy and say, I got to, okay, he's winning some matches now. I can take that a little bit more seriously, not just based on this guy's look, but his wins starting to build and accumulate to actually build the story for him as well. Let's dive into some tag team action. It's the 2021 Dusty Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup. We covered a lot at the beginning of the show. We're going to close out the show with the same thing. We're going to talk in-ring action. Then we're going to move on to the women's brackets. Just a little bit of a preview for what to expect next week as well. The first tag team match taking place this evening would be the grizzled young veterans, Zach Gibson and James Drake, taking on Ever-Rise, Matt Martell, and Chase Parker. Thank you for helping me finalize Matt Martell's name off-air before. Getting that name straight really meant a lot. Uh, the Dusty Rose Round 1 classic intro by William Regal, just expressing how important the tournament is, kind of like how you and I reminisced at the beginning of the show. Zach Gibson doing a little bit of reminiscing of his own to last year's tournament, reminding us of their past success on this stage. Now, Everrise, not just looking for a victory, but looking for the most important victory of their careers on NXT. And they're looking to rule, like the O'Doyles on, uh, on Billy Madison, which... Mm. If you haven't seen that movie, if I'm dating myself, that's that. Just go back in the obnoxiousness of that movie. If you're if you can't stand Adam Sandler, this is peak Adam Sandler. This is I promise you, you'll laugh at this movie, Adam Sandler. If I could just uh, it's a classic. Use, yeah. Classic movie. Back classic to movie. School, yeah, back but, uh, to school to prove to daddy I'm not a fool. Fight any giant penguin you might uh, you might see yeah. out there, Peyton. It's, yeah. it's dangerous out there. Rule number one. Shampoo is better. Shampoo versus conditioner at uh, NXT TakeOver St. Valentine's Day. Can't wait. Back to back to the actual wrestling conversation here. The Grizzled Young Veterans are a smart team. The name complements their style and their in-ring intelligence. It took me a couple times of watching this guy to finally embrace what the hell that's supposed to mean. But I think watching them have their success on NXT that I'm more familiar with, not just relying on my casual viewership of NXT UK, knowing enough that they're the first NXT UK tag team champions of all time, pulling off what I would consider an upset over Mustache Mountain. Mm -hmm. The Grizzled Young Veterans are a smart team. They took this match to their own in-ring intelligence. Now, the kayfabe character-based intelligence, looking at them at face value, Grizzled Young Veterans also appear just generally book smarter than Ever-Rise based on personality. So I think this match going in Grizzled Young Veterans' favor, not a surprise to me. They would sell a ticket to Mayhem to Ever-Rise to punch their ticket further in this tournament. Peyton, my question for you, number one, did Ever-Rise have a choice? No, good, uh, good answer. Number two, your general thoughts on Grizzled Young Veterans' chances in the tournament this year. I mentioned it before. I think they're really an early favorite looking at round one. I think really, if I had to put betting odds on this, it really I guess I'm not putting betting odds. Really, there's only three teams that could win this. It's one that you're going to talk about later. Uh, I guess really all of them competed in night one. It's Undisputed Era, it's Grizzly Young Veterans, and MSK. Those are the only three teams I see winning this year's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Now, maybe I'm being brash. Maybe I'm being overconfident. Maybe I'm just overlooking someone. I do think 
Legato uh, Legato del Fantasma, excuse me, uh, has a chance. Uh, that would be my other semifinalist. But I don't know. I really think it really it comes down to those three teams. And Grizzly Young Veterans may arguably be the favorite because Undisputed Era, with Undisputed Era, the way you book them, they can lose to really elevate someone else. Now, I see that possibly coming in the championship of this tournament, but it very well could come in the semifinals. And it could validate Grizzle Young Veterans right there, giving them an even further push heading into the tournament championship. Now, I'm booking way out in advance, but that's kind of how I see it going. And it was a great first night. And again, like you said, Everrise really didn't stand a chance. You can give them Kevin Owens putting them over on commentary. That that's not going to help them here. And Everrise really needs to build some signature wins for me to consider them a legitimate threat in this tag team division. Understandable. I, I do think this might have been like the best Everrise has looked so far. They pulled out some double team moves. I'm like, okay, wow, I've never seen these guys pull that off before. They're able to get in more offense. They're full of personality. Whether you like the personality or you dislike the personality, it's a personality. It's there. It exists. We need to see the the NXT tag team division needs to be on this upswing that the Dusty Rhodes tag team classic is going to bring. And I think you're right. It's hard not to look at night one and be like, wow, there's some three heavy hitting teams to really win the whole damn thing in here. And one of those would even consist in a debut MSK formerly known in impact wrestling as the rascals, a 420 friendly team based on what I know of them. So that's more than welcome in my book, but also um, something that really stood out to me just based on the little bit I've seen in the past. It, I really like the cruiserweight offense that they bring to the table. And that's why I really enjoyed this first round matchup taking on two mainstays of the cruiserweight championship scene right now in Jake Atlas and Isaiah Swerve Scott. Another reluctant two singles guys paired together, but I think as opposed to Finn Balor and Samoa Joe going all the way, I think Jake Atlas and Swerve Scott getting eliminated in round one is going to be the vehicle to drive this rivalry even further. And before I get into the importance of the tag team and this actual uh, and the actual match itself and what MSK is going to mean for this tournament. I like the idea that Isaiah Swerve Scott and Jake Atlas are feuding in a rivalry outside of the Cruiserweight title. I think that's something that 205 Live, and granted, I'm not a regular viewer, but I think it's something that is missing on NXT viewers for why we should care about the Cruiserweight division outside of just Santos Escobar and that championship. So, Peyton, just really quick thoughts on uh, just the general idea of MSK and Atlas and Swerve as a team. Well, I would like to start with Swerve and Atlas. It's very important that there's cross-brand facilitation, I guess, for lack of a better term. Regular NXT competitors, Atlas and Swerve, though. Exactly. And we're getting that in this upcoming 205 Live uh, episode with Killian Dane and Drake Maverick, actually the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic, they're going to take on Stallion and Gray, August Gray and Kurt Stallion, on 205 Live to advance in the Dusty Cup. I like that. I think we need more of that back and forth between the brands to create a cognizant storyline between those two. 
because then I will start to tune in to 205 Live. I'm, I'm with you. I really appreciate 205 Live, but I'm not going to lie to you. The last time I watched 205 Live, Drew Gulak was champion. And the reason I watched it was because Drew Gulak made me invest. And then we eventually got Gulak versus Leo Rush on NXT. And Rush took the champion. And then we started to get that back and forth between NXT and 205 that Live. That's what we need. And maybe that's what we could get if MSK ends up eventually winning the NXT Tag Team Championships. Maybe they have a title defense on 205 Live. You never know. But I love Nash Carter. I love Wesley. I'm glad they're in WWE. And I think they're going to have a very, very, very long run in this year's Dutch Rhodes Tag Team Classic. I think they're going to be one of those debuting teams in the tournament finding success. I think if you look at the bracket siding, I think Grizzled Young Veterans on paper, and this is, again, we go back to booking way ahead, MSK versus GYV for that finals. I think just just based on this one match I've seen MSK have in full on NXT so far, that's something worth looking into. Uh, Wesley and Nash Carter, I don't know how I feel about the name Wesley in general, but the Lee and Carter from Rush Hour reference, that warms my heart. If we're just going to, we're just, we're going to spend half this podcast talking about wrestling and the other half talking about great comedic trilogies and uh, series well. in, uh, in our, in our day. Oh my God. Rush Hour 2, I think is, I think that's my favorite without a doubt. It's a classic. I, classic. I, I use that classic term. Movie. Love, love, love Chris, love Chris Tucker. Love, love Jackie Chan. Uh, yeah, before we dive too much into that. Love the, uh. Love the call by Vic Joseph during this matchup. The Rascals are high-flying. Mm-hmm. That covered all the previous bases that I mentioned about the nicknames and the 420 friendliness. Um, quick, Peyton, off the top of your head, MSK, what does the acronym stand for? Um, Mighty uh, Mighty Shield um, Karate. I like that. No, it, it was awful. You, you got me. I, I wasn't prepared. My ad-lib was... Uh, Ad-lib skills zero for Peyton Westner. I think it would be a little bit of a character nod, and we could take the— we, I mean, MSK could evolve kind of like FTR or the r- numerous rolling nings of what CM once stood for in CM Punk. I'm going to call these guys Must Smoke Kush in a, in a uh, homage to their, to their previously established characters. Um, well, let me say one thing real quick. Um, kind of—it doesn't really address what you just said, but I, I do think this is very important— why can't we just have a surprise once in a while in WWE and NXT? We knew the Rascals signed to WWE if you read the dirt sheets. We, we knew that. Why did you have to release don't, – don't release the bracket or, 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 or don't make such a big deal or don't post the Mountain Dew colored uh, graphic for MSK on social media the day of. Just let it sit. Let the surprise sit so I can have a mark moment and pop. That, that, that's I, all I'm, I I'm want with you there. You. I could have done without the preview on social media, right. 100%. If you want to put the team name up there and two of the vacant-looking dudes up there, that's fine. Yeah. That I understand. That's that's filling that's filling out a bracket. But the uh, the too much of a preview and not letting that true markout moments happen that's that's totally understandable. Uh, understandable complaint. Unexpected chemistry here for as long as it did last between Jake Atlas and Swerve Scott. I'm a big fan of these guys, what they bring as opponents. I didn't expect to see what I saw from them as tag team competitors, but MSK pulling off these high-flying maneuvers inside the ring, outside of the ring, the standing moonsault, the elevation on the standing moonsault inside the ring. Are you kidding me? How much hops 
do these guys have? And of course, just the absolute beautiful finisher, the combination of one of my favorite maneuvers by itself and tag team finishers of all time, the heart attack combined with a blockbuster, major move, major win, and a major debut for MSK in NXT. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that they are in NXT because as you mentioned, and as the point of this year's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, it's really to revitalize the tag team division because it was getting stale. It was stale prior to this tournament because you're looking at Lorcan and Birch and their new champions, but who's next to challenge them? Who's next? Undisputed Era again? We don't need to see that. Let's put them on the back burner a little bit in terms of tag team title shots. So, so great that there's fresh blood. So great that we're going to have some new matchups in the tag team division. That's all we could ask for as a fan. That's all we need from this tournament is fresh matchups in the NXT tag team division. We need that upswing. Um, before, okay, we could dive we could dive into main event time, but I would be remiss if I did not mention just a couple more things here, Peyton. Scarlet speaking in tongues. The cards are reading Finn Balor is in Karrion Cross's future, and eyes are on the Prince's NXT Championship. Cross versus Balor, something we knew is coming up eventually. Probably not this next takeover, but I'm feeling he's going to be successful over Pete Dunne. We'll see Cross versus Balor later on down the road, closer probably to WrestleMania season. I'm just so glad that Karrion Cross came back to ha- let me have my reoccurring nightmare of him uh, choking me out and uh, keeping me from winning the NXT Championship. That has come back as my uh, go-to nightmare now that Karrion Cross is back. Yeah, it's just a very imposing figure that Scarlet and Cross make up. I, I really can get behind their actions in ring, but their character and the whole doomsday thing with the fact that 2020 was a pretty bad year and 2021 could be an extension thereof. I don't really care to hear the word doomsday uh, too much uh, at this time, but I do love carrying cross. I love the fact that he's undefeated still uh, as a stat boy. I love the fact that he's undefeated because that will make his next NXT championship match that much more important and that much enjoyable for me as a fan. The fact that he's undefeated and there's something else on the line other than the gold. You can speculate when a streak and a, t- a streak versus title matches always, always a good time. Uh, let's dive. Let's dive into some women's action. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying real quick as like a let's push the women's action to the side. I mean, literally, we need to talk about women's action real quick because it happened real quick on um, this past week of NXT. Whatever happened to Zia Lee, this brutality training, it's been a game changer for her. This match ended in two strikes this past week, Peyton. A open palm right on the button, right there, and then a brutal kick to the face. It is over for... Did you get an opponent name? I didn't get an opponent name this week. No, I, I don't no, think I just, you got an opponent name. <laughs> I didn't get an opponent name this week, but I did get a little bit of a uh, sort of a, I guess, I don't know if it's an Easter egg or I don't really know how to phrase this, but um, I'm a part of the Comedians of Wrestling Facebook group. Shout out to all the Cow Podcast listeners out there as well. And fellow listener AJ Pittner provided me with this nice little trivial fact here that the signal in Chinese Tian Sha appeared in Zioe's intro, and that is Chinese for the wretched. Hmm. 
So nice little nice little character dive. Uh, thank you, thank you for that, AJ. Nothing nothing more nothing quite as wretched looking as that figure that is following around Zia Lee and that is following around Boa and seems to be just controlling them with with her. No words needed, just her mm-hmm. actions and the decimation on uh, Zia Lee's opponents just keeps on continuing. I can't wait to see Boa in action either, Peyton. I'm trying to figure out who Boa most resembles. Is he trying to audition for Neo in the Matrix, or is he more looking for the blade role that Wesley Snipes has? I mean, it, <laughs> what what he looks like when he's standing up there. Um, yeah, he, he reminds me of both Neo. He could, fighting, and, he could be fighting aliens with the men with Men in Black as well. We don't fully understand. We don't well, fully don't understand what he, happened to Boa. I don't think he had the white undershirt and the tie to be, uh, you know, Agent J or Agent K from the Men in Black. Love me some Universal Pictures movies. Uh, yeah, I want to see Boa in action because, as you mentioned in a past episode, I believe, Boa's really the last remaining person from that breakout tournament that hasn't necessarily had any feathers in his cap, any success to really Absolutely. think back on. Uh, so I can't. I, like I can't think of a memorable rivalry or like he's he's had matches. We've seen his we've seen his competitive edge and spirit. He's got some, he's got some great martial arts background in his own. But again, that that winning factor and that when is he going to break out from that breakout tournament? Thank you. Uh, thank you for remembering that. Ben. Always, <laughs> always nice when when my previous points can can come back up and still be relevant and not just go week to week. Oh, Zia Lee. Lee does have chemistry with Zia Bo- Lee. Boa. If, if wow. I may say so, because yeah, they, they did a lot of mixed tag team matches uh, at NXT Live down the Florida circuit. I actually Ooh. saw a match where uh, Lee and Boa actually took on, believe it or not, Cameron Grimes and Raquel Gonzalez with Rhea Ripley on the outside. Uh, I think that was in, I want to say Sebring, Florida, a uh, little town uh, in uh, Florida, Sebring. Uh, you can look that up on a Florida state map. Anyway, my point is I love when these relationship, these chemistry built in the Florida loops and the NXT live events really come into fruition on screen. I think that's what we're going to see throughout this program and storyline evolving is Ali and Bowen. I'm really happy to see that. I'm sure you could, uh, you could have predicted this pairing coming together. I cannot imagine you predicted it coming together anyway, quite like what we've seen in these video packages. <laughs> All right. Short talk about the women's singles action, but the women's tag team action, the inaugural first ever 2021 Dusty Rhodes Women's Tag Team Classic Cup. We got some tag team announcements this week, Peyton. We got the, as predicted, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell, the other other predicted and early tournament favorite as far as actual teams go from my perspective in Casey Catanzaro, Casey Catanzaro's birthday. Today, turning 31, so shout out to Casey. I know she's out there listening, obviously. And Caden Carter, teaming together again, hoping hoping they find some real success. When I think NXT women's tag teams right now, I think of those two. So I'm really hoping they get to shine out and break out in this tournament. Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm, two of arguably the most dangerous women in that locker room. But they have their eyes on the same prize at the moment. And Peyton, it's not the Dusty Rhodes Cup. It is that NXT Women's Championship held by Io Shirai. And we can dive into this one for a long bit. The finally predicted, my favorite team to win this whole dang thing, Shotzi Blackheart looking for a partner, Ember Moon looking for a partner. Let's bring in two single stars for a Dusty Rhodes Classic Cup. What do you know? It's Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart teaming together. 
They are looking for an actual tag team name, so I'm going to give credit where it's due right now. But Peyton, of these four teams, what can you tell me, buddy? What are uh, what, what are we looking at here? Well, as you and as you said in episode 119, Casey Cannizzaro and Caden Carter, they're, they're my team. Team Ninja, they must win this NXT Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Another pairing that really developed on the Florida Loops at the live shows. They had worked so much together, even before their first televised appearance on NXT TV. So Team Ninja all day, every day, bay bay for me. I really do appreciate the fact that you predicted Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart as a makeshift tag team, if you will. Can you pick my lotto numbers this weekend or <laughs> or maybe put together a, a a parlay a sports parlay for the, for uh my sports book uh oh let's yeah let's we'll go over nfl playoffs right after right after this i'll uh we'll, awesome. got, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get some over we'll, we'll talk some over unders after afterwards all right <laughs> i need a four-leg parlay uh but i i think when i look at these first four teams really i guess really storm and uh, Martinez would be a surprise. I do, I can kind of forecast what other teams would be, as you could assume. Rafael Gonzalez and Dakota Kai will definitely be a team. You'd figure Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley, maybe not necessarily as a team, but those two will definitely probably be in this tournament uh, as the NXT Women's Championship maybe gets put on pause in terms of title defenses for a little bit. I, I, I guess going for what we know, we know Canizaro and Carter are taking on Martinez and Storm. And someone even tweeted me uh, during NXT TV this week and said, hey, how do you like that matchup? Uh, Team Ninja could uh, be in jeopardy here in the opening round, the quarterfinals. I said, not necessarily. Uh, as you mentioned, Storm and Martinez both had their eyes on the same prize. And that could lead to some confrontations. That could lead to some breakdowns, some uh Mount function at the junction sort of thing to court Mauro So I like Team Ninja, especially in this first matchup. I think this is their time. It's a time, as you have said in past episodes, it's time that the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships have a little bit of a run on NXT. And I think Team Ninja is the team to do that. And it's about dang time. Agreed. And uh, my, my next question was, t did you happen to know which women's Dusty Rhodes classic matches were to start first? Because I have everything else written down for NXT next week, except for those women's brackets. So thank you for mentioning uh, Team Ninja taking on Mercedes and Tony. I think, yeah, it, it's it's Martinez and Storm. They're two headstrong individuals against an actually really motivated team based on that vignette we got this week on NXT television. Casey and Caden, not to be overlooked anymore, but we'll see that action next week. We'll also see the continuation of the men's tag team action with Imperium taking on Lucha House Party. I like the dynamic in that one, the serious demeanor of Imperium versus something literally called House Party. Always fun when you see a clash there. We talked about the way taking on Kushida and Leon Ruff Another cruiserweight tag team that I would actually like to see carry over into 205 Live. I love the incorporation of the tournament over there. And I think that Killian Dane actually being involved in 205 Live is going to be hysterical. Teaming with the former general manager of the brand has got to give him an advantage or two. And of course, what we deem is the main event next week. It's the fight pit between Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. But Peyton, we're going a while. Let's dive into the main event for this week, an unexpected round one matchup in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. 
in my opinion and based on my timeline, a lot of people's opinion, Undisputed Era versus Breezango. Adam Cole and Roderick Strong taking on Fandango and Tyler Breeze. Former tag team champions across the board, accomplished stars in NXT in their own right. This is as main event as main event can be when you look at these guys as big-time players in NXT. Yes, but is was this match too early? This screams semifinals to me. Yeah, I think it was a little premature. I think it was maybe one of those matchups to uh, really draw in the audience and captivate, uh, get people excited for the quarterfinal matchups because everything else seems pretty chalky, for lack of a better term. A lot of respect. A lot of respect that we had Tyler Breeze and Adam Cole in the same ring, and that's actually a Departy reference, uh, up, up, down, down uh, reference. A lot of respect. So glad to see this match. I knew they've had clashes on up, up, down, down before, and I thought there was something that when they went for that super kick at the same time, mm-hmm. you just saw them look at each other in the face. I, I loved it. Great oh, call yeah. back there. Absolutely. I'd love to see them have a singles match um, down the line on NXT TV. I think they've had uh, at least one uh, NXT live um, event uh, match, I should say, that was actually for the NXT North American Championship at that live event. I digress and say, yeah, the matchup probably could have waited until at least the second round, but... that's, That's my big takeaway. It's such a shame that one of these two teams had to lose because... All of them have done so much for the brand, number one, have accomplished so much, number two, as you mentioned. And number three, they really had that superstar appeal that could get someone to tune back in later on in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. So just such a shame that one of these two very talented teams and two of my two favorite tag teams in NXT history had to take the L. It's yeah, it, it's it sucks that it's no tomorrow. Loser goes home. And uh, especially for Brizango, man, just hitting that rough break since since losing the tag team championships. I feel like them stepping back up to take on Lorcan and Birch like that. There could have been even something there. I'm not saying throw the whole thing to win on them there, but the motivation factor is there. And uh, Undisputed Era found one hell of I mean, we could talk about the great in-ring action we've saw, but let's let's jump. We're going at this a while. This felt like a semifinal matchup just based on what we saw. Great matchup, great action. We could go play by play for hours. But the outside factors, Undisputed Era would win this matchup despite a blindside attack by Pete Dunne, Oni Larkin, and Danny Burch. Kyle O'Reilly's jaw suffered more damage from that Finn Balor matchup, smashed up against the barricade, Brutal stuff. I guess I saw it as the motivation between Adam Cole, like just just spark that fire in his belly that like I need to bring this home, bring this match up home, win it and then go check on my boy on the outside. That's how I read it. Mm-hmm. And this undisputed era team McAfee minus McAfee history, this rivalry ain't over. UE won, but at what cost? And we'll have to see because Obviously, if I'm Lorcan and Birch, given their history competing for the NXT Tag Team Championships, you don't want to take on Undisputed Era. They have lost to Undisputed Era in the past for the belts. So, okay, maybe Birch and Lorcan, and this would have to be verbalized in promos or vignettes, maybe they want to 
play the hand of God and really try to manipulate and cause UE to lose one of these rounds. Remember, this tournament has 16 teams. It's the first time since 2016 that this tournament has been extended back to two, to 16 teams. Only the 15 and 16 version of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic had as many teams. So, yes, you mentioned how Adam Cole is inspired. Maybe a fire's lit under him. And maybe that's his motivation for him and Strong to try to go all the way through this tournament to earn that tag team title shot and maybe even eventually beat Birch and Lorkton. But I'm just I'm 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 just grasping because really the storytelling aspect and O'Reilly taking a, a bump and possibly damaging his jaw even more, it's a great element, and we'll have to see how that inspires or maybe even demoralizes Undisputed Era because they won. They did their job. But at what cost? At what cost? Like I mentioned, I think it's going to be a rough year for, for Undisputed Era. I think it's going to be a lot of so close yet so far away. I do see them going far in this tournament, but I see them as a Kyle's come so close to that NXT championship and failed. They can get so close to the Dusty Cup and fail. And they could just we could have this. OK, we're so far opposite from where we were with the prophecy we really got to get back on track and starting to see the build of this downfall for that rewarding rise of the stable again somewhere down the line. I think there could really be something there. And I think it can start with this vicious attack and the uh, the injury consistency that seems to be happening on Kyle O'Reilly, whether it is his liver or his jaw or what have you. He's putting on some great matches, a lot of competitive fire out there. And uh, it's going to come with some bumps and bruises when you're taking on big-time competitors like our NXT champion, Finn Bauer. And one thing I did want to know, and it really had me thinking, when I looked at Undisputed Era and the way they came out during their entrance, Roderick Strong assumed Bobby Fish's role up on the top turnbuckle. He didn't take his crouching position below uh, Cole. And maybe that's something they do when one of the three, one of the members are missing, that they just assume the the each side of the turnbuckle. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a math. I think it's a okay. math and presentation sort of sort of deal. I, I think gotcha. you need the, you think you need the center Adam Cole and you need the uh, the turnbuckle boys. That that makes sense. Then I I guess my thing was I was just wondering about Bobby Fish and his injury status because um, I I know he's dealt with injuries and I'm hoping it happens too damn with- often. That's uh that's my Bobby Fish injury update. It sucks that it happens as often as it uh as it does, but. Seeing, I don't know, Bobby, Bobby Fish on the outside talking during a match could could also be uh, be very rewarding. Hearing uh, hearing NXT crowds chant "Shut up, Bobby!" back in the day with a <laughs> prime heel undisputed era, mm-hmm. that's a uh, that's something worth giving acknowledgement to. But uh, yeah, speedy recovery to Bobby Fish, whatever the deal is uh, over there. Uh, you never want to see any. You, you never want to see an incomplete undisputed era. It hurts. Mm-hmm. You never want to see an incomplete faction when uh, when you know it's missing such a such a pivotal member and pivotal members in the scheme of uh, of this big time so pivotal for tag teams mm-hmm. point of year it's uh it sucks not to see Bobby Fish present with the undisputed era uh Peyton we've been going at this a while I know that brevity is a big part of my podcast but when we get some big time historical traditions of NXT like the Dusty Rhodes Cup. We're going to go a little bit longer than anticipated. So I'm going to thank you now for us uh, for spending all this time with me and really just give it over to you. Do you have any last thoughts on this, this, on this January 13th episode of NXT TV or any bold claims for the dusty roads cups, plural moving forward? 
Well, I know just in terms of predictions, I know on Twitter I put that Undisputed Era would win the Dusty Cup. But I'll, I'll tell you right now, not that this is an exclusive, but I do think if it comes down to Undisputed Era and MSK, Undisputed Era will probably put over MSK because Undisputed Era does a, such a great job facilitating and building up other talents, I feel. And I think this would be a prime opportunity to have MSK get a signature win right off the bat and really have an opportunity for the tag team championships really close to their debut, which was obviously January 13th. Uh, but Hey, this is always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, always a privilege to be on the program. Uh, like I said, I'm just the friendly neighborhood NXT stat guy and always a pleasure to, to be on the show. And if you want more of my content, just feel free to follow me at PCWESNER at PCWESNER. Maybe uh, some uh, new content forms coming uh, very soon, maybe in the lead-up to the next NXT TakeOver. Working out some kinks, and uh, look forward to, to talking NXT. It's just, it's just what I love to do, and always uh, a privilege to be talking with you, my friend. Thank you for joining me. Episode 120, always nice to have a, uh, have a landmark episode feature feature a guest and uh as long of conversation as we can possibly have uh follow at nxt wednesday as well uh next stop i'm sure is coming back at some point in 2021 as well but for the most nxt discussion you're going to find on a as consistent of a release schedule as i can possibly make it it's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic time, folks. I'm going to try and be putting these out on as regular of a basis as I can. I want to get my content release on 2021 off to as good of a start as I possibly can. And two weeks in a row is a win as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we're, I'm working on some other I'm working on some other stuff. Um, but follow follow the main sources of the wrestling discussion. Follow at podcast underscore UF on Twitter. It's where I'm going to be talking anything and everything hell in a matter of 20 minutes or something i'm going to be talking about aew dynamite because watching everything is important but thank you for listening to the nxt talk um follow me on instagram at c d a n n y m a c c d and the d and danny share that same letter the podcast's instagram program i don't know what happened to it login info is missing it's somewhere out there in internet space Follow me personally on Instagram. It's where I'm going to be plugging the show. Uh, follow the Facebook page. I'd like to get a Facebook group at some point this year for like sharing some NXT live threads or NXT conversation and some other relevant social media content. So like the fan page over there as seldom posts are on there. But um, something will happen. Probably all my Instagram activity will carry over to uh, to Facebook. Uh, thank you no matter where and how you're listening to me, whether that's Apple, Google Play, um, anywhere you find in your podcast, SoundCloud's where the main promotion is going to be. And my goal for 2020 is to find myself not just on Spotify, but on Pandora as well. So if you're out there using either of those two apps for your music, um, I'm hoping to assimilate the podcast into those two as well. So no matter how, when, why, or where you're listening to me, I thank you for your time. Thank you for joining me in the longest-running, independently-produced NXT podcast available. This is NXT discussion-based show. It's fan-driven and independently-produced. I want to thank Peyton Wester for joining me for episode 120 of that UFP show, all about the NXT show. I'll sit, talk to you guys next time. This has been episode 120 of the Undisputed Future Podcast. <laughs>